Let's pray and then we'll get started. Uh, Abba Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be here today to to sit at your feet and learn from you, to see your word come to life in our hearts, in our minds, in our actions, and that as we leave this place today, we'll be even more in love with you than when we came, and that we would delight in you always. And we would be a blessing to others this week and for all eternity in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Well, today we'll be uh, in chapter 39 in Genesis, continuing on the story with Joseph. How many have enjoyed so far the book of Genesis? A lot of good applications. You're able to put in the practice because, you know, we can learn a lot of knowledge. We can have a lot of information. But if it's not practical and we're putting it to action, then it don't matter, does it? Today, real quick, I'm going to do a quick lesson on how to study the scriptures real quickly. I don't know if many of you are familiar with these terms. You could say pardes in the uh, the short form. The first one is called parsha, and it means just the literal translation. What you see when you read it literally is what it you know that surface level. Then we have remez, the R, which can either be like hints. Or begin to ask uh, questions. Alright? Going back and looking at other scriptures. Asking the questions and then searching the scriptures. Which is drosh. Is searching the scriptures. Because we understand that scripture interprets scriptures. Does it not? Yes. And, then, and then the third level. Which means the hidden meaning, the deeper spiritual meaning, and with this is how we, you know, we go like this. But we can go very deep in the Word of God. So I'm going to read just the first few scriptures about Joseph, and then we'll just do a quick, and then we'll get further into the text. Okay? Joseph was brought down to Egypt in Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and a captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him from the Ishmael, bought him from the Ishmaelim, who had brought him there. Adonai was with Joseph, and he became wealthy while he was in the household of his master, the Egyptian. His master saw how Adonai was with him, that Adonai prospered everything he did. Joseph pleased him as he served him, and his master appointed him manager of his household. He entrusted all his possessions to Joseph. From the time he appointed him manager of his household and all his possessions, Adonai blessed the Egyptian's household for Joseph's sake. Adonai's blessing was on all he owned, whether in the house or in the field. So he left all his possession in Joseph's care, and because he had him, he paid no attention to his affairs except for the food he ate. So, 
What would you say would be the literal meaning of those verses we just read? Anybody want to shout out? This is going to be a participation class today. Anybody have the literal meaning? The literal. What you just read. What is, what is it saying to us? Information what? No, 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 no. What was going on in Joseph's life right then and there? He was sold into slavery. What else? Right. Bought, sold again. He sold what? A couple, three times? Right? Hey, what else was going on with Joseph in those first few verses? Pardon? Blessed. God was with him. Okay. Alright, that's, that's pretty good. So what are some questions you may have on that text now that you read to go a little deeper? What are some questions you may have about this particular passage? No question? What's the significance of being bought or sold three Okay, what's that? Significance. Good question. What else? What is the significance of being bought two or three times? Bought and sold. What is another question? So why was the Egyptian only concerned with what he ate? And not ah, good question. What did he... Why was he only concerned about what he ate? Anybody else? So you already know the food level? <laughs> No other questions? Okay. So what are some scriptures or what are some uh, scripture references? Because there's a Hebrew thought that in order to prove something forward, you must go back. You go back to prove something forward. So if we were drawing this out now, what scriptures would you be searching or looking at to find answers to these questions, to these things, the significance? Why he ate them? was only concerned about what he ate. Why the two or three times any scriptures come to mind? Leviticus. Leviticus. Leviticus? What's that pertaining? What's your thought there? Oh, that's Leviticus 11. So the Egyptian wouldn't know that? Okay. What about another scripture or history, maybe? Daniel? And what about Daniel? Ah, ate the king's food. Or he didn't want to eat the king's food, I should say, right? Ah. Okay. Two trees. Ah, good point. Anybody else real quick? Alright, so I read uh, a rabbi's song yesterday. He was only concerned about the food that he ate, but the euphemism concerning his life. Yes, I've read that too. What he's saying that there's a euphemism, uh, according to the rabbis, the food he ate was pertaining to his wife. Because food can be more than just literally food. 
Some people have a hunger for power. Control. Now, I know none of you have that issue. Right? Alright? Okay, so, based on that, what do you think would be a sub-level, a hidden meaning on just what we talked about? Hmm? A new atom? Did I hear that? Second atom? Okay. What else? How would that apply to our life? Maybe focusing only on what we want and what's right in front of us instead of looking at the Oh, okay. Stay focused on what's before you. Okay. None of you are turned away by shiny objects? Pardon? Eat more of the Word. Because isn't the Word our life? Man does not live by bread alone. Alright? So that was just a quick synopsis that you can do on your own at home. Now, the key thing here with Joseph, keep in mind, there's not too many chapters prior to that to look back to get some of these answers. Right? We're only in the 39th chapter. Now, if you're in the uh, Gospel of Matthew, you've got the whole Tanakhta referred to as well, plus history. So keep that in mind. So sometimes we have to go forward, and we'll get into that, okay? Thank you for participating. And I know you still got more questions, right? Is that true? Come on now. It's okay. Because in all reality, how many of you notice when you start digging into the Word, you just come up with more questions? And that's, that's the way it's uh, meant to be. Because if we stop asking questions, are we going to stop learning? Yeah, we will. Because then we think we've got it all, we know it all, right? So let's go back to what I just read. Now I want you to take verse 1 of 39... And just kind of glance at verse 1 of 38. And tell me if you see a, a, a contrast between Joseph and Judah. Joseph was brought down. In other words, he had no say-so, right? But Judah went on his own. And we know what happened with Judah, right? Okay, so let's go on. Let's just pick it up. So they brought him down to Egypt. Now he was sold to Potiphar, which means from the sun god. That's what his name means. And if you look at verse 2, depending on your translation, it says, that and I was with Joseph, and he became wealthy. That Hebrew word... Um, is Zalak, I believe, if I remember right. That's supposed to be a Zadi, a Lamed, and a Chet, which means to prosper, to be successful. That's what they mean, to be successful. This translation, when it uses the word wealthy, kind of misses it. Because it really should be successful or, or prosperous. 
Now let me ask you this. What scriptures come to mind to you that talks about being successful in scripture? Pardon? Abraham. Abraham. What else? Proverbs. Psalms 1. Who? Job. Matthew. Many, right? What does uh, Joshua 1, 8 and 9 say? Good one to turn there and read it. One chapter or verse eight or nine. Yes, keep this book of the Torah on your lips and meditate it on its day and night, so that you will take care to act according to everything written in it. Then your understanding or your undertakings will prosper, and you will succeed. Ah, uh, okay. So you, Joseph. You think maybe he knew some of the Torah? After all, what's his lineage? <laughs> Amen. Now let's go back to Potiphar real quick, where it says, uh, um, verse one, he was an officer of Pharaoh's court. That word "officer" in the Hebrew is "sorry." Which actually means eunuch. And it was known, well known in that culture, in Egypt culture, and some of the other cultures around that when you came into that kind of position to Pharaoh's court, they would make them eunuchs so that they would not have sons who may take over being Pharaoh. Now whether Pharaoh or not was a eunuch, because later on it could become a just a symbolism because of that position. But remember later on what was one of Joseph's issues? Potiphar's wife. And what was she doing? Yeah. We'll get into that. Alright. Now, verse. Three, his master saw how Adonai was with him and how Adonai prospered everything he did. So there's that Hebrew word again, zalak. And it's interesting that the way it's written that Potiphar, who is known, his name is from the sun god, and we know that he had numerous gods, that this is the way it's written that he recognized that Yudhe favored Yosef, or maybe just on any guy, because of what was happening. Now let's think a little bit about Joseph. Joseph was roughly 17 years old, right? Give or take a year or two since we began back there in chapter 37 when we were introduced to Joseph and being sold into slavery. He's coming from Canaan down to Egypt. How well do you think he might have known the Egyptian culture? Would he have known the language? Would he have known how to conduct commerce? Because we see that he worked a little bit shepherding his father's flock, but when he would come back, what did he do? He would always bring a bad report. He brought a bad report about Zilpah and Buhal's sons to Yaakov. 
So here's a young man sold into slavery on his way down to Egypt and the next thing we see things are just happening in his life. He's being successful. Potiphar is being successful, right? And so there's that mark on Joseph that irregardless of what God or who they believed this God was, they saw something happening through Joseph. Now how many of you remember when Dave taught us what the word grace means in Hebrew? About two or three weeks ago? King. Right? And we see that he had that grace on his life, right? And you brought out an interesting thing. You got the um, the noon, the ep, the noon meaning grace, right? And when you reverse it, you got Noah, oops, which means rest, grace. So in grace you find rest. How many of you would love to have rest on any given day? Like right now. And that's why we come here to rest. And yeah, we're just as busy today as we are any day of the week in all reality, right? But it's all for His glory. Now the other thing that we want to look at is that going back to the food he ate, it, it just shows that I don't have to concern myself with what's going on in my fields, in my household. All i got to do is just pay attention to what I eat. How blessed would that be? If all you had to do is concern yourself with what you ate, when you ate, how much you ate, when everything else around you is going smoothly. Yeah? No? Maybe? Yeah. And the other thing here is, you know, how many of us have heard the term, when life gives you women, make lemonade? Right? And that what we do? Or hope to do? So Joseph opened up a lemonade stand. And because things are going so well, now he's got two or three, and next month he's got two or three coming back on the market, another two or three. That's the kind of thing going on because he wasn't bitter. We don't see that he's bitter in this moment. In fact, he actually submitted to Pharaoh and to what was going on. He, he just was there. And the interesting thing that I always found about Joseph, when he had opportunity to run, he never did. And he had it. Here he was free, pretty much. And yet, what's another contrast? Here he is a slave, but he's free. His brothers are free, but they're enslaved to their guilt, their shame of sending him and down to Egypt. And keep in mind, just because you have the favor of God on your life, don't mean things are going to go easy for us. The good news is, is that God is in control. He's sovereign. And because remember what is His purpose. What is Yah's purpose in all this? What, was, what has it been from the very beginning? And we've got to keep that in the back of our minds as we're going through Scriptures. Let's go on. 
Let's go on to his next encounter. He's doing well. Everything is prosperous. You don't have to give an accounting per se. Potiphar is okay, just do your thing. I'm going to go eat. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And there's a couple other people in Scripture that was termed that way as well, that was good looking. Moses was known as a beautiful child. David was ready and good looking. And then his son Absalom was also considered good looking. In that time, the day came when the master's wife took a look at Joseph and said, Sleep with me, lie with me. But he refused. He refused. I mean, talk about temptation. In the disciples' prayer, there is the one that says, Lead us not into temptation. But if we break it down and really study it out, it's lead me not into hard testing. That's if you really go dig and understand it's hard testing. But he refused, saying to his master's wife, Look, because my master has me, he doesn't know what's going on in this house. Think about that for a minute. Because of Joseph Potiphar wasn't concerned with what was really going on. And yet we should take, you know, be careful with all of our possessions, should we not? But Potiphar, hey, cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's working. I'm being blessed. Why mess with it? It's working. Look, because my master had me, he doesn't know what's going on in his house. He has put all his possessions in my charge. In this house, I am his equal. Some translations may say there is no one greater than me. Do you, do you, is there another point in Joseph's life where he can say the same thing? Yeah, later. Yeah, later. It's a precursor. So when he becomes governor general, he oversees the, the grain and takes over, basically runs Egypt. He hasn't withheld anything from me except yourself because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Notice what he says here. He didn't say against Potiphar and God. He just says against God. Now remember Psalm 51? That was after David was confronted from his actions with Bathsheba, Bathsheba and then having Uriah killed. Right? We don't see that with Joseph or he, he did not fall into that temptation. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Chapter 6, verse 11. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say amen. But you, as a man of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faithfulness, love, steadfastness, greatness. Let's go over to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. So flee the passions of youth, youthful desires, youthful lust is really what it would be. And what? 
along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart, pursue righteousness, faithfulness, love, and peace. Notice what we are to pursue. So when Joseph said, I cannot sin against God, because when David was confronted and he came with a broken heart, broken spirit, he says, against you and you only I have sinned. And so whatever sin it is, it is against God. Yes, it may be against someone else, but it's ultimately against God. We need to keep that in mind. Now when he says there's no one greater but me, notice what Matt or Yeshua said in chapter 20 of Matthew, about 26, he said, if you want to be great, you must become servant of all. So somewhere along the line, Joseph understood these principles. Now the interesting thing here, we also can remember the two that were instrumental in building the tabernacle, who had the gift of wisdom, that the spirit of wisdom was upon them, uh, Bethel and Oholiab. And it tells us that the spirit of Yudhei he put in them so that they could have the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the craftsmanship to be able to construct the tabernacle. And all the craftsmen, he gave them that same spirit so that they can construct the tabernacle. Now we don't see it written here, but when we see the what is going on in Joseph's life from this moment on, we can see he had that spirit in him. He had to have Because remember where he came from. He was a young man. And now he is running Potiphar's household Eventually, when we get into text, we know he'll be overseeing the prison, and then eventually he'll be overseeing all of Egypt and technically the known world, because the known world had to come to Egypt to buy grain eventually. But he had to go through this to get there. Now, I know we don't like the hard testings. I know we don't like the challenges. I know we don't like the difficulties and the hardships we go through, but if we understand that it's all part of getting us from point A to point B to help us to be in that position, to do the good works He has prepared for us in advance. We will go through those too, whether we like it or not. Some of you realize that. Others are saying, oh, please, not me, Lord. There was a song I remember... When I first got born again, it was like, please don't send me to Africa where it's lions and tigers. I don't know if I remember that song. And guess where I ended up? <laughs> but I didn't mind. Let's go on. Verse 10. But she kept pressing him. She kept tempting him. Going back to the Garden of Eden, Chapter 3, when after they had eaten the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then Yudhei comes walking into the garden, and what's he do? He calls out, where are you? And where were they? Hiding. And then as he confronted them, what did they start doing? Well, it's that woman you gave me, so there's the blame game. He asked the woman, well, it was the serpent, and he tricked me. He deceived me. He beguiled me. It was an ongoing process. It wasn't just a one-time deal. When you look at those words, break those words down. It wasn't just like he showed up one day and she gave in right away. It was an ongoing process. 
And here we see here that she is continually pressing him. Day after day. Think about that in your own personal lives. The things that keep pressing in on you day after day after day. Wanting you to give up, to give in, to quit, to go another direction. And yet something within you says, no, I've got to keep pressing in. I've got to keep going on this way. Even though things do not look like they should, even though it's not what I had in mind, even though it's very difficult and challenging, but I'm going to keep pursuing what he told me to pursue. Even though there's obstacles, stepping uh, uh, roadblocks and those stumbling blocks, but what's he tell us? Turn those stumbling blocks into stepping stones. Nevertheless, he didn't listen to her. He refused to sleep with her or even be with her. So he, you know, there's, there's a time when to run, there's a time when not to run. And this is the time for him to run. Because it's better, because as we get into it, he loses a robe over the deal, right? It's better to lose a robe than your character. Than to keep your robe and lose your character. Now think about the, that for a minute as well. Garments. Garments play a big role in Scripture, by the way. I mean, last week we learned about, bless you, uh, Judah and how he was tricked by garments. Think about it. She took off her widow's clothes and put on garments that made her look like a prostitute, wore a veil to hide her identity, and what happened? We got a pair of twins now. Right? No offense. <laughs> but garments, and going back to once again the garden. When they realized they were naked, what did Adam come up with? I mean, he just got through naming all the animals and all he can come up with is a fig leaf? That's what happens when you sin, when you get some money. And then what happened? What did they do? What did Adam and I do? They gave him garments of skin. So there had to be a sacrifice. The shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. And then they got booted out of the garden. The first eviction in history. No. They, all they had to do was take care of the garden, make sure no one snuck in. But he came boldly. He was, you know, the snake came boldly. The serpent came boldly. Let's go on. Verse 11, however, one day when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men living in the house was there indoors. She grabbed him by his robe and said, sleep with me. But he fled, leaving his robe in her hand and got himself outside. Once again, the first robe was what? What was the first garment that Joseph had? Many colors. And what did that symbolize? Favor. What else? I didn't hear. Wealthiness. Wealthiness. What did it also symbolize? What was Jacob trying to do here? 
He would have been, in Jacob's mind, the next patriarch. And how well did his brothers like him for that? I mean, after all, they loved him so much, they threw him in a pit, wanted to kill him, and then the next thing you know, they sold him. Sold him. Because they loved him, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, remember, they really preferred to kill him, because what did they want to kill him? Well, they wanted to kill the dream. They didn't want these dreams to come to pass. Now, the interesting thing here is because of their jealousy, their anger, their hatred towards their brother, they missed that they were sheaves too. They were stars too. Stars too. They weren't thorns and they weren't snakes. Think about that, man. They were sheaves. They may have bowed to his sheep, just talking about, you know, relationship, but they were sheaves as well. And what did these sheaves represent? What were they made out of? Wheat, grain. In other words, they were going to be instrumental in feeding the nations as well. They had their role in this as well. Stars, what do stars represent? You go into Revelation. Light. I mean, you know, isn't it part of Sukkot to make that Sukkah away to where you look up and you can see the stars at night? The host of heaven? They weren't weeds. They weren't thorns. They weren't snakes. Because what do snakes? What happened to the serpent when he was... Exactly. <laughs> Didn't have a lady to stand up. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes in our anger or jealousy, we may miss what the purpose of God is. Because we're narrow-minded, if you will. We're focusing on us, ourselves, our wants, our needs. And we have a hard time celebrating somebody's victory. Because why them and not me? And the father will probably tell you, well, what makes you so special? Right? And if you're like me, you have to be broken before you can be used. Now, we don't want to go there, do we? He fled. And then the next time we see him with a robe is when he is given the robe to be governor or oversee all of Egypt. The symbolism of our covering is a great deal. Scripture tells us to be clothed with Yeshua, to be clothed with righteousness, to be clothed with His presence, not our lustly desires. Because the word lust means you'll always be taken. Lust always means taken. No matter what it is, even a neutral. How many of us have an appetite for uh, swallow ship here later? Could eat. That's an appetite, and that's uh, even a lust. It's neutral because you're taking, you're eating. And then we can take it to another level, call it gluttony. What does gluttony mean? Just, yeah. <laughs> what about craving? What is craving? Exactly, you like a certain thing. But they're all connected to appetite. Right? They're always taking. But what about love? What does love do? Ah, it gives. Love is always giving, right? 
Now, sometimes we have to learn to love each other. I understand that. But it's always a giving. Look at Joseph's, uh, what we see here in, in the passage of how Joseph is dealing with, first of all, being sold to Potiphar. He had that journey coming from the pit. I mean, talk about a promotion from the pit to slavery to prison. That's his promotion. We don't look at it like that, though, do we? And just moving on up. You watch the Jefferson. Thank you. Back to verse 14. She called the men of her house and said to them, Look at this. My husband brought in a Hebrew to make fools of us. Accusation. I know none of you have been accused of anything doing wrong, right? Okay. He came in and wanted to sleep with me. But I yelled out loudly. Interesting. You'd have think these men would have saw Joseph on the way out. Verse 15. When he heard me yelling like that, he left his robe. Once again, that robe. He left the robe because his character was more important. Giving into the flesh was not his way of doing things. He withstood the test. I mean, talk about hard testing. Think about it. Day after day after day, you have this woman or this man trying to lie with you or trying to get you to go, quote, unquote, into bed, but in many other aspects. Wrong dealings, wrong business ventures. And then it comes back later to haunt you, bite you. Uh, verse 16, she put the robe aside until his master came home. Evidence. Corner pole, I mean, you know, fake evidence. Because remember the evidence that uh, Tamar had against Judah? Yeah. But those were real evidence. This was fake evidence. Because after all, she has an image to keep up. Right? And that's another thing that tends to get us in trouble. We try to keep up appearances. Instead of, okay, what is your will here, Father? Uh, this Hebrew slave you brought us came in to make fool of me, to make a fool of me. But when I yelled out, he left his robe with me and fled outside. When his master heard what his wife said, as she showed him, here's what your slave did to me, he became curious. Now in the natural, that would be understandable, right? But if you understand uh, Egyptian law, he should have been the, with the chicken. Or like what was Judah or said about uh, Tamar because she slept with another man and had children. What should have happened to her? Yeah. But what happened? Joseph's master took him and put him in prison in the place where the king's prisoners were kept. And there he was in the prison. So he takes him to prison instead of having him executed. Because one of the things that I, I forgot to uh, tell you about, 
when it says captain of the guard, if you study the Hebrew word there, it's actually captain of the butchers, the executioners. So he, you know, how many people do we know lost their head for doing the right thing? Uh, who is one we know of for sure? John the Baptist? Even though he was shown. Paul. Yeah. They were doing the right thing, stood the ground, and not yet they lost their head over it. And then we can go back and all the other prophets that they thought were false, or the other apostles, and many of them what, lost their lives. And the only, the only one of all the apostles that remained alive until he got older was John. And yet he was on the Isle of Patmos for most of this. What, I think he got boiled in oil for a change? Ooh. So now he's in prison. I mean, just picture that for a minute. He was the favorite son of Jacob. Had that coat of many colors, that robe, that ostentatious in all reality. To where it caused such a hatred that his brothers wanted to kill him. So they threw him in a pit instead of killing him. Reuben was hoping to rescue him because he wanted to get back in Yaakov's graces. But because of now they're deep in this, how would we explain this to our father that we were so angry at Joseph that we threw him in a pit, we wanted to kill him. What do you think Yaakov would have said? Ooh. They were already in trouble as it was, because they weren't where they were supposed to be at Shechem. They were in Dothan. No offense. And next thing he knows, he's being sold to Ishmaelites, who take him down to Egypt to be sold again to Potiphar to wind up here. And what wrong did he really do? He had a couple of dreams. Now, some might teach you that he was a bit brash when he told, shared his dreams. I don't know. All I know is he went from up here to down here so he could come back up here. You have to go down to go up. Sometimes we don't like it, but... Now, keep in mind, if you have what many would say a high calling, such as Joseph, a great purpose going on in your life, and I would venture to say this in every one of our lives, when you have that purpose, when God has a purpose on your life that is to change the world, you're going to have these kinds of temptations as well. You're not going to be exempt from it. Whether we can like it or not, we're going to have those same temptations, those same challenges, those same issues in life that are trying to keep us from fulfilling the purpose, the destiny, the plans God has for us because if we fulfill what He has given us, what He has called us to, we will have an impact on this world. Well, oh, that was weak. I guess you don't believe that. I don't know. Sinking it. Oh, as I would say marinating. We'll just let you marinate in that for a while. 
Processing. You're processing that. Yeah, I understand. I just like to pick on. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of places in scripture that I really love. One is in uh, Ephesians chapter two. I think it's verse four. It says, "But God." But God. And think about that. Whatever we're going through, whatever struggle, whatever hardship, whatever difficulty, or even family members, our friends we know, or nations that we know of, but God. We can never forget the but God. Because he goes on to say in verse 21, but Adonai was with Joseph. Wow. If you had socks on, they'd be rolling up and down right now. But think about that. He was with Joseph. Now, last time I checked, he's not a favor of person. He loves us all, does he not? But I tell people I'm his favorite. I am. Just ask me. But we're all his favorite. You are his favorite. Keep that in mind. The next time you look in the mirror and you want to just punch it. How many of you do something you don't like you do, and next thing you beat yourself up for three or four days? The guilt trip. Right? And then, after you're done, who takes over? Any. He'll wait till you beat yourself up enough to where you're not as, you're more vulnerable, and then he'll step in. You don't have to step in right away because he knows you'll do it yourself. But if we can learn that we can come to the throne room of God boldly, come to that throne of God boldly in our time of need, that ever-present time of need, he is there waiting for us. Now keep in mind also, it tells us that Adonai was with Joseph. Where is Joseph? In prison. Where is prison at? In Egypt. God's there with him. He's there with him. Amen? Sometimes I think when we get into our trials, we think he forgot us and he's left us, right? Because we ask the question, why me? I remember one time I <laughs> was having a great afternoon. I used to drive tow truck, and I may have shared this before, so if I have this, pretend like you never heard it before, but oh wow. And uh, I went to pick up a, a old 6040 Conline van. It was about a 45 minute drive to where I was going. So I go and get this van, and I'm sharing with the owner of the van, we're talking about, you know, Yeshua and all that, and he didn't hurt in church, so he wasn't ever going to go back to church, da 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 Okay. So I'm traveling back to uh, where the business, my folks' business, and all of a sudden the left rear wheel came flying off that van. <laughs> it just, I, I could see it, you know, I heard, I felt the boom, looked in the rear view mirror, the side mirror, and there it was that tire. And there's a ditch on this side of the road and tall grass. Over here's a mountain and there's no place to pull over. So you just keep going until you can. 
So I got out, and on the back of this wrecker, we always carried a tire, it was known as a universal tire, that you could put it on different, make some models of cars. And then I had to find lug nuts, which we had a can, that I kept there for that purpose, obviously experience. <laughs> and, but I tell you what, those, it was hard cranking those lug nuts on those lug nuts. They were stripped and coarse, but I got three on. So I'm heading on. And through the next town, across the railroad track, pretty soon I looked back and that tire that I just put in went flat. So I'm deciding, should I go on into the, you know, I dropped the van there. Because there was a place I could drop the van. Should I go and get back to where I'm going, which would have been, oh, maybe 20 miles, or go back about 7 miles and get another. So I went back to where I picked the van up and got a tire from the guy. Got it. This time I could use the record to lift up the back end. So I, I didn't have to jack it like the other thing because it sits down on the ground. I couldn't get the swing under it. Finally get into town where I'm about to get about two miles out from the business. I look in the rear view mirror or the side mirror on the right side. And now I notice this van's not sitting the way it used to. So I pull over. Now the right tire had gone flat. About that time I was hot. <laughs> it is now going on 4, 4 o'clock. I left at 12.30. It should have been an hour and a half, easy peasy. Now it's 4, 4.30. And I'm getting back. So I just drove it. And that's illegal, by the way. But I didn't care. I didn't care. I got two miles. I'll make it. Sure enough, I got there. My stepdaddy owned the business. I was waiting for him. wondering, where have you been? I explained to him, he said, well, you need to go next door, and they built trailers. And so we'd get their, you know, their scrap, their scrap iron from them. I got in the forklift, went over there and got the iron. I'm taking it back to the iron pile, and pretty soon I hear this clunk, 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 clunk. And there's a shaft that runs underneath the radiator that goes to the hydraulic pump that pumps the cylinders up and down, and it just broke that yoke, broke and tore a big old gash in the radiator. It's not going anywhere. Did you go back to bed? <laughs> no, not yet. I went up. I said goodbye. I'm out of here. Didn't even stop to collect rent. I didn't care. You know, I get to my home, and I had a bad habit of taking, well, I wouldn't say bad habit, but I had a habit of taking coffee every morning in a cup. It's now the end of the week, and i got a pile of cups over here on the passenger floor. I thought, well, I better take some in so I can have a cup in the morning, a clean cup in the morning, because they're climbing up. And so I grab them, I stack them up, I open up the, the car door, and that top cup falls off on the ground. And guess what had happened? It broke. And that was it. I said, why not? So I go in, and I'm kind of calming down, and I'm running through my mind of what happened, what just transpired. And I did, I finally asked, I thought, why? Why all this? Why all this? And he told me, you know, Mike, sometimes I've got to break you to get your attention. And so we all go through that at times, whether we like it or not. But remember, he is with us when we go through that. When we're going through the difficulties of life, or our family members, or whomever we're in contact with, or even our nation, as we know, if there was ever a need for a move of God, it would be now, as any time in history. 
but he was with Joseph, he is with us. But Evan, I was with Joseph, back to verse 21, showing him grace and giving him favor in the sight of the prison wall. Would you see a repeat of what happened with Potiphar? He found favor, he found that grace. Same Hebrew word is ten, which could be favor, which could be grace. Some will say, uh, take it as uh, mercy, which is really the said, but sometimes we transpose those words. But we see, once again, because God was with him, he still had the favor with him. So something tells me there was something going on in Yosef that allowed his grace to be evident in his life. That he committed himself to the plans and purposes of what Yudhe had in mind. Even though he may not fully understand it at this point in time, all he knows is at some point in our lives, too, we need to totally surrender, fully submit to his purpose. Verse 22, the prison warden made Yosef supervisor of all the prisoners in the prison, and so whatever they did there, he was in charge of it. Once again, the prison warden paid no attention to anything Yosef did. He could trust him. He trusted him. Potiphar trusted him. The prison warden trusted him. Eventually, we know Pharaoh will trust him with the kingdom of Egypt. Because Adonai was with him in whatever he did, Adonai prospered. Say. I mean, how awesome is God? How awesome is His grace, His mercy? He tells us that my grace is sufficient for you. Remember when He told that to Paul? And why was Paul asking for what was going on in Paul's life? Thorn in the side. And he asked how many times for it to be removed? Three times. And then we also read later on this grace he has lavished upon us. Wow. So sometimes I think we get caught up in the, the head knowledge, if you will. But we really need to get it to our heart, to our feet, and, and walk it out, live it out. You know, even though we may not fully know what he has in mind for us, at even from this moment on, we know we're going to have a time of fellowship. The ladies going to have the Bible study. There'll be a time of worship tonight, right? We know that. But what about other things in our lives that we're not sure of, we're not aware of? And we know we are to walk by faith, not by sight. But you ever wondered why we can believe God for this but not that? We all go through that, right? Think about it, man. You know, we can go to the, the father who brought his son to the disciples as they're waiting for the Yeshua, Peter, James, and John to come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And they're trying to get his son delivered from this unclean spirit that would torment him day and night, threw him in the fire, threw him in the water, try to kill him. 
And when Yeshua asked him what's going on here, the father told him. And then the father says, if you can. And Yeshua rebuked him and said, what do you mean? If I can. And the father says, I believe, help my unbelief. So there are things we can believe him for. And then yet the next day, we've got our eyes on the natural, the physical. And we don't think he can do it. One thing I would suggest, or can't here, is remember we are told that if we have faith as tiny as a mustard seed, it can do what? Move mountains. And how many of us know that a mustard plant is actually perennial and not annual? Or it's annual, not perennial, excuse me. In other words, once that seed is planted, that mustard tree comes up and you cut it down, you've got to plant another seed. You want some more mustard. It don't spring up. So each movement, each belief system, we need to put a seed of faith, sow a seed of faith into that next deal instead of trying to figure it out on our own. But keep sowing faith, because we walk by faith, not by sight. But sometimes we struggle with, I believe him for this, and I can't believe him for this. So a seed of faith for this, as you did for this. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. And Bob, can I get you to partake of the, the, the bread, please? Amen. Sure. Yeah, well, because he believed Joseph, most didn't he believe the wife. Yeah, and that's the, the school of thought that, you know, after all, he, he, he knew Joseph well enough that if Joseph probably would have said, I didn't do this, God told me not to, or, you know, because I served God, he probably believed him, and probably because of maybe experience with his life. But remember, if he was a eunuch, it might explain why the wife is chasing Joseph. Just a thought. I'm not saying that's true, but just adds to the story. Amen? Anybody else? Questions or comments? Or maybe she was an exaggerator, or, you know, I mean, he, just, he knew her better than anybody else. Yeah, well, she definitely was an exaggerator. I mean, after all, he came here to make fools of us. <laughs> and she tried to, instead of her trying to, Anybody else? It may have also been, she may have been a woman, you know, being of a higher stature, she saw him as trash and she wanted to control every area of him. Yeah, that's a good point. But the position, yeah. Amen. Anybody else? All right, Father, we thank you for giving glory and honor. And we do pray your reigns. Not just noise, not clouds without rain, but clouds with rain, Father. We thank you. We thank you for this day, Shabbat Shalom. May we glorify you in all things. Amen. 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 Could you pray for us who um, don't have the faith to believe? 
Sure. Father, we thank you. Father, we do want, we need your help to, to have that faith to believe what you want, what you have purposed in our lives. But those hardships, those di- difficulties, we do ask you to increase. But show us what we need to do in order for that faith to grow because it is a mustard seed, it is like a muscle and we have to exercise it. So help us to be men and women of faith. To remember to walk by faith and not by sight. To keep our eyes on you and not on the circumstance, but on you and to believe you for the impossible. With you, nothing is impossible in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Mike really blessed me. All right, I got a blessing. I hope you did too. I thought it was great. So make sure you give him thanks and say a word to him. Let's do the uh, the blessing of the Kiddush. We'll start with the wine. Barukatah Adonai Eloheinu Melechai Lam, Borei Bari Hagaben. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth or creates the fruit of the vine. Amen. It's the thunder that distracted me. There was no thunder a little while ago. Okay. That's because it's trying to compete with your voice. That's what it is. That's it, Mike. Blessing of the uh, bread. Barukatah Adonai Eloheinu Melechalam, Amotzi Lekem Minha Retz. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. Anthony is on, oh, you know, is already here. He'll lead us with the um, benediction. He learned from the best. <laughs>